0: My name's Rachel Silver. Step Life is a podcast all about step families. The podcast came about as four years ago, I met my now husband and he has three children. I was a single girl living alone, and being with someone with three kids was a huge shock to me. None of my friends were in my situation or could empathise with what I was going through, and I had no one to talk to about it. I found there wasn't much support for people in my situation and no one to talk to about how I was feeling and the challenges we faced. I really hope that hearing from people in step families will help anyone in one. I also hope the podcast gives an insight into what step family life is like for anyone not in one. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Liz Matthews. Liz is the founder of Global Communications and Brand Building Agency, LNPR, which represents some of the most well-known faces and lifestyle brands around. LNPR launched in 2005 and boasts Laura Jackson, Jasmine Hemsley, Dermot O'Leary, and Alexa Chung as clients. They also represent and consult for brands, including Miller Harris and Disney. Liz, thank you so much for coming on and welcome. Thank you. So you live uh, with your partner Al yep. and you've got five children between yep. you.
1: Yep, we do. So, we do. So tell me a bit about your step family life. So I actually like the term blended family. That's the term we use, which I think there's so many sort of negative connotations around the word stepmother and stepfather. It's sort of evil Disney personification of of that. So we use the term blended families and it came about. So I got divorced three years ago, maybe a little over three years ago. You know, fairly typical, got to 40, everything was meant to be amazing, had a great job, had four kids but had a really tough marriage and I think that my ex would agree with that. Um, We were just sort of barely communicating and not even able to be friends and it was becoming toxic, we were both unhappy And I called it, and I think that's sort of quite typical of women, even when we had that conversation, and I'll never forget it, tears in the kitchen, it was not as awful as I imagined it would be because the relief was palpable but I think I always knew that I had to make that call even though we both agreed that it needed to happen. I went on one of those find yourself type body camp experiences which I was you know felt tremendously guilty about because it's you know negotiating time away from work and away from kids and it's the best thing I've ever done. Had never done anything for me like that before and I found myself out of path up a mountain in Ibiza bursting into tears. And just having this realisation, I didn't even think about what I was feeling. It came to me as a total clarity realisation that I had to leave my husband. And I was terrified, like paralysed, because my first thought was, I've got to tell the kids. My twins were three so relatively easy because you know a bit like goldfish you tell them one thing and they've forgotten it by the afternoon but my eldest was 10 tricky age and the next one down was seven but I was really 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 sure and over the next sort of two three days of that trip I actually began to get stronger physically and mentally and I felt sort of warrior-like about my decision and I landed at City Airport And my husband at the time picked me up with the kids and just seeing his, I just felt really strong and sure. So we carried on with our day, took the kids to Wagamama's, put them to bed. And then I said, we're done. I just said, we're done. And he kind of looked a little bit stunned, but calm. And we did have tears just because of the enormity of the situation, the complexity of the situation. But in saying it and in reading his face, I knew it was the right decision. Then we went through this awful stage of, and we stayed up all night, drank all the wine, you know, talked about good times, but it felt good to say it, woke up, still felt the same, and then he had to live with us, so I think that was April. He didn't move out until mid-July, which That's is tough. really, really tough, really, really tough because when you've made a decision that huge, everything changes Everything changes from that moment on. I knew that I no longer wanted him to be in my bedroom. Uh, We fortunately had a spare room, but in order for him to stay in the spare room without the kids twigging, it was sort of like, you know, chess moves in the night and, you know...
0: And I think that's the reality for loads of couples. I mean, my now husband had the same situation. He stayed in the family home for a number of months until he moved out. And it's not as clear-cut as, right, we've made the decision, off you go. There's so much to consider.
1: There is, and I think finances play a huge part in it. My brother went through something very similar. He works in the police on a terribly low income, considering what he does for everyone in the world. And his decision to leave his wife was really, really tough because they couldn't afford to split up. They could barely afford to live together, pay half of a mortgage each, and they just couldn't afford to have two places So it it became absolutely a nightmare for him. And in the end, they figured it out with a bit of help from family. But, you know, it was really, really tough. We were not in the same situation, thankfully. I was able to give him some money to set him up in a flat. But the timing of everything was so crucial. So actually, me and the kids went on holiday for two weeks with our best, best, best family friends. So everything was kind of normalised. We had told them just before that. we, For some reason, I thought it was best to wait until the summer holidays were in so I could help them with the grief and it wasn't back to school on Monday. So we sort of told them when school broke out and then we went on holiday for two weeks. The first week, just me and the kids and this family. And then the second week, he came to join us, which was not my plan, but our son has his birthday in the summer and he said well obviously dad's going to come because it's my birthday and I thought how can I say no so I paid for him to come on the holiday and it was incredibly incredibly difficult to navigate because this pattern that we'd had holidaying with these friends you put the kids to bed the wine comes out you're sitting around as a four chatting the night away It didn't feel real to me because we'd split up. In that moment, he had moved out and we were no longer a couple and yet you know, we were sat there pretending to be. So I made excuses. I went to bed early. The other couple found it incredibly hard to navigate. So there was that awful thing of the boys would go off and the girls would. So, you know, the daytimes were kind of fine because with seven kids between us, you know, it's easy to get distracted. But nighttimes were really, really lonely and really difficult.
0: I'm sure. And I mean, obviously they knew at that stage, how had they sort of processed it and taken the news?
1: So the night we told the boys, um, it was horrific. It was horrific. And like you, I couldn't find any literature to help navigate through the decision. We'd also been living with the reeling from this decision for months before. And I had not been myself, but I think kids are so sort of in their own world that they hadn't really noticed. Um, We'd probably been extra polite to each other, which might have confused them even more. I mean, look, we were not shouty, screamy parents. We just ignored each other. I travelled a lot. We would divide and conquer and take two kids each somewhere, and we just avoided each other. So the kids were not subjected to, you know, awful shouting and screaming at home. But nor had they ever seen us be close. So we sat them down on the sofa and we just told them that we were getting divorced and they both burst into tears and took it really badly and said we don't want you to and we hate this and we don't want to be a broken family and all four of us just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and it was really really tricky and then about 15 minutes later they both asked if they could go on computer games and get a snack and I thought it's going to be okay.
0: Yes, people say it's a bit like jumping in puddles for children. That you know, one minute they're really upset, and the next minute they're out of it. it I think that's
1: their way of coping. That's their distraction. You know, you're not going to sit there for a prolonged amount of time. You know, talking about something so negative. So they just wanted to snap out of it. And you know, I probably went and loaded the dishwasher and put you know and did normal things, and we kept reinforcing it because I wanted to make sure that they had understood. And then I think from the moment of telling them to the moment where their dad moved out was only a couple of weeks because what I didn't want to happen is tell them too soon and then he's still in the house and it's confusing. It was probably no more than 10 days. He moved out whilst we were on our first week of holiday so that they didn't have to see boxes disappearing and, you know, things coming off walls. And I said to him, leave everything in the house as it is and just take your stuff. I don't want to come back from holiday and sort of look on a wall and a picture be missing, because it's so symbolic, that kind of thing. Yeah, so
0: life sort of continued, did you work out quite amicably, sort of custody arrangements,
1: financial arrangements, that kind of thing? So I am just one of those people that just loves to be organised, and you know, I'm really sort of solution first, and so my next thing was, okay, we need to get divorced. And actually he was kind of going, well, uh, okay, I mean, there's no mad rush, He was in a relationship and it had crossed over into our marriage. I think women have an intuition and a sixth sense. It was not the reason I ended the relationship. I ended it because I was unhappy. And actually when you fall out of love with someone, it's sort of convenient that they might be seeing someone else because actually there's no animosity and no jealousy. But it became clear that he was still seeing this person and she moved in with him very, very quickly I wanted to progress with the divorce because I I just went into this mama protective mode. I felt totally, even more protective over the kids and me and our finances. And I had been the main breadwinner our whole marriage. And I wanted to make sure that we were protected and looked after. So we went to see a, not a lawyer. A mediator. A mediator. Somebody had recommended a mediator and if people that are listening are in a position where they are amicable ish, like no one's amicable, you know, full stop, but yeah. if you're amicable ish, I would highly recommend it. I think it cost a thousand pounds, which we split down the middle. I've got friends who've spent tens of thousands on divorces, and lawyers get rich by taking their time. This person came to my office, you're meant to meet somewhere impartial. But I argued that I didn't want to pay for a boardroom when I had a perfectly good boardroom. We had one session. I was very, very prepared. My ex was not prepared and actually quite, you know, head down, ashamed. I just sort of offered him some money. I mean, it's a very, very complex situation when two people divorce. But in recognition of the fact we had two properties, which I owned both of them and had made every mortgage payment on, and I didn't think it was fair to give him any of that because we also agreed that he wouldn't be able to give me any money going forward for any of the the kids. children, yeah. And if you do the basic maths on four kids and what they need going up to 18, I mean, no one do the long maths because it literally makes you want to vomit. But actually, as a contra, we agreed that I would keep the two houses. My mum, who was our main caregiver and nanny, lived in our flat, so nothing was happening with that. And me and the kids would stay in the house and I would take over all payments which I pretty much did anyway. And then getting that piece of paper was, it's a funny thing when you get that piece of paper, because most people really look forward to it. There's this sort of awful American culture of divorce parties and celebration. I felt really, really sad. I felt really sad, not because I didn't want to be divorced, I very much did. But I had failed at something. And you know, it was the end of a chapter and, and you have to sort of mourn that process to celebrate something where lots of people have been hurt is, it felt wrong to me. Yeah, so not. I just sort of sat with my thoughts and was very quiet for a few days and then moved on and felt clean. And then, you know, like a mad woman redecorated the house and we got a dog because, He would never let us get a dog. And the mood and everything in the house changed. There was music and laughter and dancing. We had always hated mornings, my ex and I, because just the logistics of getting four kids ready for school and yourself. And it was so stressful. And I realised it was stressful because we... We're not getting on. Yeah. I'm sure mornings at his house with the kids are a delight and they are and they were with me. So just that little gear change made me sort of feel like it was going to be okay. And me and the kids just bonded like we'd never bonded before. We were like a total tribe. And my only regret is I I sort of shut my friends out for a little while, because I was processing in real time, these feelings that I didn't know what to do with. And I didn't want fuss. And I didn't think I wanted help. So I kind of shut myself away, threw myself into work. I was just at work and a mum at home. And I didn't have room for socialising. And I think that was a mistake.
0: Well, on the other side, I think that's absolutely fine. I mean, you're you're dealing with so much. There's you know, rebuilding your life in a way. You're there for the kids. You've got your your business. Mm. You know, sometimes we can all be a bit too tough on ourselves. And if that's your biggest regret, then to take away is not actually that bad a thing. Yeah. I mean, from what you say, it just sounds like you handled it like a pro and with such insight and maturity. And I suppose so many people would like to have that kind of experience rather than huge amnesty and acrimonious divorces and spending hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous, some of the stories that I've heard. And actually... It's funny because when it happened to me, I was the first in our friendship group and became this sort of weird poster girl for divorce and how to do divorce. And I would get messages from friends of friends going, you don't know me, but I'm Holly's friend or I'm Vanessa's friend. And I think I'm where you are, because guess what? When you hit 40, you start to look left and right and go, maybe I'm not happy and maybe I've got my life again. This is middle age or not even. And I'm going to make some decisions and be happy i'm done raising kids and all of that kind of thing I And mean, there's loads of sort of statistics to say that when your kids start to need you less i mean i wasn't quite at that stage but most people have a really have to think about their own happiness when kids go to secondary school for example because they just become more independent and less needy and it was really tricky because i didn't feel qualified to give advice i just talked about my situation And I suppose the more and more I talked about my situation and friends would come over for a glass of wine, it became some sort of weird self-healing. I did not see a therapist, which is possibly another regret, because I had brilliant, brilliant friends, brilliant business partner, and I just kept talking like women do. And I just kept crying and processing and talking. And I sort of self-healed to a degree. But I think if I'd had my time again... And somebody had suggested and given me a number, I might have gone and accelerated that process. Because there were definitely times where I would scream at the kids and then regret it because you're just sort of on living on fumes, literally living on fumes. Um, but you know
0: what? I think that's the same for parents that are married still. You know, yeah. you can scream at the kids and then regret it after. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's probably youth overcompensating because of what you've been through yeah. that you think like that. But yeah. in most family situations, yeah. that
1: happens daily. Yeah. I think the other challenge was none of my kids knew anybody who had come from a broken home. But I had. I relived that. And I don't have a relationship with my dad which is a whole nother podcast. But I think in some ways it had made me go back to that time when my own parents split up and it was incredibly messy and painful. And I was so sort of, I was also 14 or 15, which is like a terrible age. And one thing I do feel proud of is that I made this decision slightly sort of in advance of that because, you know, I now have a 14-year-old, which is a whole nother podcast (laughs) but you process it differently and I had to sort of counsel them because they didn't know any different now of course some people have two mums some people have two dads some people just have a grandma I mean it's really really mixed and it's in you know they've encouraged their friends to talk about what it's like to be part of a broken family and they've in turn become mini counsellors in their own classes which I'm so so proud of Um, but yeah when you're the first to do anything and there isn't any literature Available, you make it up. But guess what? You make up parenting. I made up running a business. Someone asked me the other day if I'd ever written a business plan. I was like, absolutely not, winging it. But I've also been winging it for 14 years and it's going all right. So I think you just have to. I really put myself in the position of the kids and desperately didn't want them to feel what I felt when my parents split up. And I tried. And I still try to be really civil to their dad. It is not easy and it is inconsistent. But the blessing is we both have lovely partners. The kids now love the fact that they've got happiness and stability in both homes. And there seems to be a sort of constant now and also, you know, two christmases, two birthdays, more holidays, more holidays, etc. So there's a there's a positive spin on everything. Yeah.
0: So how how long after did you meet your current partner and when did you sort of decide to introduce him to the children and how did you navigate all that? So
1: I think I did a good year on my own. I decided to go internet dating, which was horrific. But that's what I did and I had met somebody who is now a really, really good friend, who set up Bumble. And Bumble, if nobody listening knows, is the dating app for women where women make the first move. And it is incredibly different to any other dating app that is out there. So I went on Bumble.
0: And that's where you met your and partner. And that's where I met
1: Alma Cush. So how did you then tell the children about him or introduce him? We had a conversation about the kids. We talked endlessly about his son and my kids, And we decided that we would wait six months just to be sure because we had to be sure and I didn't want to kind of introduce him to someone that wasn't going to be permanent. You never know, but we just thought that that was about the right amount of time. I met his ex. And she agreed the same about me meeting his son. So we had this sort of six-month relationship. By the end of six months, because we were both older and we were both so, so sure, it felt completely natural to introduce him to the kids. Um, And I think I introduced him, well, I did, to the twins first, we went to see some Christmas thing. What's his name from McFly? Wrote a book called The Christmasaurus. Oh,
0: Fletcher. Uh, Tom Fletcher. Tom Fletcher.
1: There we go. He did a. He had a brilliant book called The Christmasaurus, and it was a panto, a one-off panto somewhere in Hammersmith. Literally amazing. I mean, it blew my mind. And we met at Wagamama's, and I took him to panto. Can you imagine? I mean, he'd got a sort of very. Cool single sort of son who you know they did grown up things together and I was like this is this is the twins, but it was really really easy. They were accepting of him straight away because I think they could see how happy I was. He's also the world's kindest man. There is such a level of warmth and patience and understanding for him. His voice is never raised, and I think he's he's incredibly easy to like and love. So. That went well. And I remember driving, waving him off and driving the twins back home and them asking a million questions about him. And it just felt like it had gone really, really well. And with the others, the older ones? you know, I can't even remember. I think he must have come to the house after that. I can't remember sort of having an activity where I introduced him to the others. It just naturally happened. Yeah. And like you were saying, boys are just slightly different, right? I mean... Teddy and Wren are the twins and and Wren dominates. So, you know, he sort of follows her lead. And I knew that that was a good entry in for both him and for them. I think the boys were slightly indifferent, but they were not hostile. I think they just it was just a different setup, but it helped that their dad had Rosie and so their normal setup became okay daddy's got Rosie and then mummy's got out okay I can see this being thing. And they were probably really
0: happy that you were with someone and yeah. had someone and those yeah. weekends when they weren't with you, yeah. they knew that you were
1: okay. Yes, I think so. I hope so. I mean, we haven't really talked about it. My son at 14 now definitely took the breakup the hardest. And I wonder, you know, if that might stay with him forever. He's definitely attributed it to being having tough times at school. And I think there was a little bit of bullying around when we split up, which he's only just started to talk about. But he's also 14. So he doesn't even know what his name is I mean he's going through hormone changes and he's can't find his people and he's all over the place but he's starting to talk a bit more now and his relationship with Al is getting better and better that's been the trickiest of the relationships but they keep talking and being patient with each other and hopefully in time it will be it will be normal
0: they say that for a step family or blended family to sort of really become one can take up to like seven years. Yeah. So when you think of it like that, you think, actually, we're doing okay. Yeah. And so what do you think are the main challenges you guys face as a blended family? Is it living together, having different rules and all?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it, the, the rules thing is, is hard. So my children are sort of parented by different people. So my mum is both nana and nanny so she sort of does school run pick up and she's quite a good disciplinarian she used to be a teacher but she's also their grandmother so she can be soft and but that I mean she's the glue in our family and the kids adore her they're dad parents in a different way to me which can be tricky because for ages and still now they go oh we can do that at dad's house we are very 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 Certain and sure about the rules in our house, which apply even when Dell, my ex, comes and looks after the kids in my house, which is a whole nother conversation because that's something we've had to navigate as well. We don't, for example, eat in the lounge, which is brilliant because it means the kids only go in there occasionally and they go into the other areas of the house. And we've managed to keep one room at least clean and sort of you know smudge free not to say they're not welcome in there but it's just trying to get them to sit around the table I mean it's it doesn't happen all the time but it's it's really nice to see them all sitting around the table but yeah changing of rules and inconsistency of you know can you be on devices during the week and that kind of thing but we're getting better in coming together I think it's fair to say that Al has a more patient relationship with Dell than I do with Dell's partner. I'm hoping in time that that gets better and better and better. We need to give it time. It's not toxic, but it's inconsistent. Yeah,
0: and it's so emotive, isn't it? You know, let's just say an arrangement gets changed or something so small can create a much bigger thing. And yeah, it's the history and the emotions and everything yeah. behind that, that yeah. I think it's natural and probably on both
1: sides. Yeah, on both sides. I, I, and I think we, we do try and be really respectful of sticking to arrangements. But it's really, really hard because my work is unpredictable. I have to travel sometimes. They have plans. So we try and build in a little bit of flexibility and nimbleness so that we can both like for example, they just had a three week honeymoon, which we accommodated, and before that we had ten days in India, just Al and I. So we are both trying to give each other the space that the other sort of party needs. But yeah, I think the other challenge is Buddy, our son, lives in America and he's ten. And Al misses him dreadfully. We all do, but, you know, especially Al. And things that you take for granted that even can be annoying, like the breakfast routine, he doesn't get to see or do. So he goes to L.A. an awful lot, you know, every sort of six weeks or so and spends a long weekend with him. But it's not different. He misses, you know, parents' evening and just the weekends. And it's really, really tough. FaceTime is brilliant. But it's not the same in any way. He wonders what he's doing all the time. And I wonder how Buddy's incredibly accepting of my kids. And as, as an only child, I think he can believe his luck that he inherited four children. And that is so... That's brilliant because it could have gone the other way. He could have gone, hang on a minute, my dad's going to go and live with four other children. I don't like that. And not once has he ever said that. So we've been incredibly lucky. That's amazing. Incredibly lucky. And I think Alan Caroline's relationship of splitting up and co-parenting was a masterclass. They were so civil. There were no other parties. Um, You know, they, they did it in the most sort of fair and fun way for Buddy. And I think he is a more balanced child because of it. So the, I, I highly commend the two of them. And it's it's much more easy to do that when there are no third parties involved.
0: And how is it when Buddy comes and stays with you guys and, you know, you're all Mental together? Mental and crazy.
1: <laughs> there are five children in the house and Sid the dog. But it's incredibly fun and I think the difference is rather than Al seeing him on a Wednesday night where really in the winter after school you've maybe got a couple of hours and then it's bedtime and every other weekend you know, when he would just be with Gabe, he comes over for two weeks in the summer, he's coming over in the spring because they have that massive holiday in America, he was with us for Christmas so we get him for weeks on end which is enough time to start to reconnect with the kids and with Al And the kids find him incredibly exotic because he's now got an American accent and the school's different and he's got stories and he's a really sort of He's got a great character, he's really confident, he's sort of always putting on shows. He's got a great relationship with my 10-year-old, they're both 10. And That's again, amazing. we are incredibly lucky. They could not be more different, and yet they really, really, really get on. They find things to sort of bond about, and I'm sure in time they will argue, but I think that the the infrequency of them seeing each other maybe works for kids if they live together all the time who knows but our situation is our situation and we absolutely squeeze the pips In every moment he's around, and I think he loves it. I think he just he lives with his mum in a gorgeous, fancy house in California, and then he comes. He's got his own bedroom. We we were absolutely sure that he would have his own space, and some say in how it's decorated, so that becomes his sanctuary when he comes back. And yet, still, sometimes he'll sleep on Gabe's bottom bunk because they'll fall asleep having been chatting all night. So, but yeah, I think he loves it as much as we love having him. He's got two very very different but equally loving homes.
0: I'm sure that is so hard for Al but at the same time when he does come over for those extended periods it's just priceless. Yeah. And, and, and in a way maybe better for the children that they really get to bond and yeah, spend I think time so. together.
1: Yeah I think so yeah they seem to really get on I mean the twins worship him. Bram at 14 you know he can take and leave any of us to be honest. And, and both of the 10-year-olds sort of try and impress him and so as that n- natural hero worshipping. But yeah, they all get along and we're, we're really, really lucky. I think that is more luck than anything else because I have heard so many scare stories about stepchildren and the effect it can have on relationships. And I know one story, and I won't say who, but you know, it totally wrecked the relationship with her partner and they split up and she misses him every day because the kids just... Didn't accept her, and they made it almost impo- well impossible, and so it has obviously compromised the relationship she has with her own children, and she has lost the love of her life. Oh, I mean, it's literally heartbreaking. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. But we decided that Al and I would put each other not put each other first, but we would really fight hard to protect our relationship. And we would challenge the kids anytime they challenged our relationship. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened. They can genuinely see how, you know, in love we are and how supportive of each other we are. But we really, really hold our own relationship in such high regard, because there were a million reasons why we might not have met. And eventually the kids will all bugger off and it will just be ours which we sort of daydream about going we're going to go and live in lisbon for six months and but yeah we, we are very protective of time together and making sure that the kids value that
0: but i think it also comes down to that they see you happy they see a happy home yeah and it all sort of bounces off that yeah yeah and that's a really positive for them totally. to have. Yeah.
1: And how is it with Al? Like, and your parenting? He came and observed. So f- for about four or five months, he moved into my old house, and we quickly decided that we needed a fresh start and we needed our own home. So perhaps quite sort of quickly, we bought a house together where we now live, and we've lived for the last sort of two years. But for that four or five months, I think he found it incredibly difficult. I mean, we did the usual things like we bought a new bed, but, you know, it was a lot of memories and a lot of, you know, quite unhappy memories, and the kids didn't want to move, and that was a real wrench. But I did, and I lobbied them and said, I need a new start, just like Dad's had a new start, so it's all fine now. But I think he thought it was like the Wild West, because parenting one very well-behaved boy and just not changing your life at all. So they would go to galleries. I mean, they did grown-up stuff. I'm sure, you know, he played with the boy next door as well, but it was very different One to, to four is one very four, different. Very different ages. I mean, even now, what the seven-year-olds want to do and what the 14-year-olds want to do, I mean, literally, there's only flip-out and centre-parks that I can just do with all of them together. Or, you know, nobody wants to walk the dog. I mean, classic, never get a divorce dog. It's, you know, haunted. But yeah, I, I think he found my parenting skills or lack of it. I think he actually saw the kids taking advantage of me and running over me. And I thought I'd got it under control. And I, I realized I kind of didn't. And it was very inconsistent bedtimes, feeding times, sitting at the table. And he was observing, I think, for the first few months. And I think. It changed when we bought our house because suddenly we had equality. I think he found it difficult to help navigate parenting when he'd moved into our old house. And we still get the you're not my dad, which is like brilliant, factually correct, thanks, helpful. But yeah, we've sort of set our own new rules in the new house and we completely agree on parenting. He is much more structured and has been amazing in that regard because kids need structure, and I think in my desperate attempt to not cause them any more pain, I was sort of letting them get away with more than they should, which I realised is, is a negative effect on them. Even though I thought I was being fairer and kinder, so his stabilising of ours has been incredibly useful.
0: Do you have friends in step families? You talked about people getting divorced and mm. and friends like. Do you find it's becoming more and more common?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it definitely seems to be we're starting to go to second weddings, which, by the way, is way more fun than first weddings. And yeah, I've got I've got some friends in situations. Everything is different. Every sort of situation is different, rather. Um, And there's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of navigating Um, I think everybody has to keep talking and sharing experiences. When something goes right, you need to almost share that with other people in the same situation, because even if it doesn't work for them, they might be able to get some hope, some, you know, knowledge out of it. Um, I have a friend who is with a new partner that I encouraged her to meet. I encouraged her to go on internet dating and she met a lovely partner. They now have a 18-month-old son. They both have a son from a previous relationship, and it's incredibly complex, incredibly complex. Yeah, but she's navigated it brilliantly and continues to navigate it brilliantly. But I think it's it's not an exact science, but it's becoming more and more and more common And whilst we might have been the first family to do it in our network, it is now nobody blinks an eyelid when you talk about blended families. I mean, I think people find it strange that my ex comes and looks after the kids in our house, but we're only thinking about the kids. He doesn't have a place that is big enough to accommodate all of them all of the time, although he does take them for sleepovers sort of two and two normally. But actually, it works and it's okay, and we're civil enough. And the kids are not displaced and they get to play in their own house and in their own rooms. I don't imagine we would ever get to the sort of stage where we're all going on holiday together. I don't, you know, I think that sort of Sadie Frost Jude Law thing is, you know. But I think
0: that's amazing that he comes to the house and does that. Yeah. I mean, that that is testament to you and Al and him and yeah. his new partner. because. Yeah. That is not an easy thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're just... I, the kids are not stupid. And and I, I don't imagine for a second that they think that we are friendly. But as long as they can see that we're civil, that is really important to me. Because, you know, my mum found it very, very hard to be civil to my dad. And it definitely had an effect on me and my brother. And I think that she didn't do anything wrong. She did what she felt and needed to do. But if we don't learn from things in our life, then we're not progressing and we're not learning. And I learned from that that I wanted to try and have a better relationship with the kid's dad. I definitely could be better, as could he, as could we all. But we are making real progress and we are kind and sharing things and if one parent goes to a parent's evening, like the other day, Caroline Alzeck sent a 45 minute audio of where she'd recorded Buddy's parent's evening. And that was incredibly kind and generous. And, you know, she didn't need to do that. I think we could all get better at sort of sharing pictures when each other have got the kids but then I think sometimes when you're on a mini break in Barcelona you don't want to be reminded of the kids you just want to drink the wine in the sun and then you know see them on Sunday night so I don't know we're getting there in our own way but it has not been anywhere near as hard as I thought it might be there's been a couple of instances of you know you're not my dad screaming and shouting but because of Al's nature and his absolute commitment to the kids consistent commitment to the kids and the the way that he sits them down and talks through things we've all learned so much about being kind and being patient we've got as you leave our house there's a ginormous poster that says be kind that's the last thing you see when you when you leave the house and we've got another piece of art that says there is only now which is our motto because there is only now all of that shit that happened learn from it and take from it but there's only now
0: yeah and I think that is um, an amazing place for us probably to wrap up. But um, Liz, it sounds like you're navigating it all amazingly. And I'm sure there's highs and lows and, and, and new challenges all the time. But it's really good to hear sort of positive stories, especially when you think you're going to get divorced and where's my life going to go and what's going to happen. And if you could have had that looking glass ahead you probably wouldn't have believed it at the time no
1: way and I think that is that's really uh, I mean when you think about the lowest low and the highest high you know it just takes time and, and patience and it's really hard to talk to people in the eye of the storm and say it's going to be okay but it's going to be okay
0: well, thanks so much for coming Pleasure. on thanks and, and speaking me. to us, and, and well
1: done for doing this. <laughs> thank you. Now there is going to be information out there for yes, other people go yeah, So, to it. and
0: and if you have enjoyed listening, then please do rate and review the podcast. As it really helps other people find it and do share it. And thank you for listening.